Hi there, I'm Trevor. And I'm Kyle. And this week, Trevor caught up on cinema. Uh, so what this uh, what this podcast is basically is Trevor and I uh, refer or uh, recommend movies to each other um, that the other one hasn't seen. Um, like for this, for instance, this week, uh, I've seen The Ninth Gate before a few times, and this is the first time Trevor's seen it as an adult. Yeah, technically I did see this movie when it was brand new, like when it came out on VHS, and my parents of all people sat me down to watch it with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Depp was kind of sexy at the time, and, you know, Mom has her needs. And she figured, you know, the boy can stick around for this one. Um, by the time we got to the end, I think she was regretting that. Yeah, but, yep. Um, truthfully, this is kind of like a first viewing, though, because I did not retain anything from the experience except for a couple of shots towards the very end of the movie. And that's what counts. Uh, so it's we're recommending a movie that the other one either has not seen or just does not remember a lick of. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for instance, I've seen Donnie Darko. I don't remember a single thing thing about that movie so if i was to have to rewatch it now it would be an episode um and we're trying to basically what i'm having him watch the ninth gate for is like there are things i like about this movie and i say that it's an enjoyable movie for me to watch still and i just want to get his feedback what his input is after he watched it and we do this for each episode yeah basically we we go back and forth having the other person watch movies Mm -hmm. and in essence we're trying to help each other to Catch up on cinema. Catch up on cinema. And we like to stay positive. We want to stay positive with these as best as possible. Yeah, um, I don't think it takes much effort on either of our parts. Like, in my case, I have an analytical mindset when it comes to watching movies. So for me, as long as I get something out of it, as long as it's not an entirely empty experience, I can usually justify the time spent. Like, I usually don't hate movies, even if they aren't good. And I, I tend to look at thing look at the movie just for the visual standpoint. Um, I do look at the analytical stuff, but not as much as you do. Yeah. And I try to listen to the soundtrack. Uh, to to more. me, you're you're more of a like a, a lights, shots, and feel kind of guy, mm-hmm. rather than like the minute details. I guess the minutia. Yeah. So yes, this week uh, I had Trevor watch The Ninth Gate from 2000, um, directed by Roman Polanski. Um, Who's not allowed back in this country. He's not allowed back <laughs> in this country. Um, I call him a cinepedophile. Uh, he's, Quite accurate. <laughs> there is cinephiles, and then he's a cinepedophile. Um, and yes, his he. I don't know if he was actually ever uh, I, I don't know the details. Yeah, I don't know the details, but... But besides, we'll put that aside. Long, long story short, there are scenes in this film that are supposed to be taking place in, air quotes, New York. Yeah. That were very clearly not shot in, air quotes, this, New York. We talked about this. <laughs> this might be the first movie to ever have a new, like, film in New York, but in an even nicer city. Like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> like, oh, no, no, we, we filmed the, the we filmed it in France, but it's supposed to be New York. Oh, okay. And it's like, so hang on, you spent more money to simulate New York. <laughs> yeah, no so like, <laughs> I can't I can't go back. I can't be in New York. They won't let me in New York. Um I uh I actually kind of nicknamed this movie um Johnny Depp's Johnny Depp smokes and looks for books because that's essentially what this movie is. Is Johnny Depp is smoking cigarettes and looking for books. Uh-huh. That's, yeah, I mean there's some booze in between, but yeah, yeah. in essence it's just kind of Johnny Depp wandering around town, wandering around all of Europe looking for books and smoking over said books, over hundred year, like yeah. mul- multiple hundred year old books. Well, the, we'll, we'll get to the twins, but even the twins, he's smoking and yeah. he's like, "It's a very rare book." And then uh, the ash falls on, and he just kind of knocks it over. I'm like, "What the fuck? No, 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 no! You need." Yeah, I noticed that really early on that like 
the way they talk about these books in such a reverent manner and when they when they point out when these books were published like from the 1500s and things of that nature you would think that you would be handling these with rubber gloves in a vacuum but yeah everybody's everybody is smoking around these books they give no fucks um at one point though they do i think i think the script and the director were wise enough to understand that yes this is a little yeah bit of an anachronism so uh I I think the character Kessler, the woman in the wheelchair, mm-hmm. she does actually call him out on his smoking. Yeah, she does. She does actually. It's like the only time they call attention to it, and it was kind of funny, because throughout the entire movie we're doing this. And I would, and like you said earlier, like I think she's probably the least obsessed out of the three of these uh, mm. three of these collectors. Um, four technically. Um, real quick, uh, I was gonna say, uh, you remember Red Dragon, where he goes into the library to see the the the. Uh, the painting, the original artwork yeah, of the yeah. Red Dragon. And she's like, you have to make an appointment. You have to have somebody with you. Take a look at it. I mean, what he does is... Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't expect them to, like... I would not be surprised if they said, like, okay, a week in advance, we want you to get some head and shoulders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, you will scrub thoroughly three times a day. <laughs> we need you to be a professional serial killer. We need you to get all yeah. dead skin yeah, off of your body. It's like you will have no oils, no dead skin, no dandruff. <laughs> Leave no trace. Yeah. You will um, get an electrolysis appointment. <laughs> so the reason why I had Trevor watch this movie is because this is a movie that I've talked about fairly recently. That I'm like, you know what? I kind of like that Ninth Gate movie, but the soundtrack was terrible. Um, and I actually rewatched it for this, and I liked it even more this time because um, I still enjoyed the movie. But th- the soundtrack wasn't as bad as I thought uh, this time around. There are definitely parts where the music does not match the tone, mm-hmm. which is an issue in this movie. Um, but I, on, for the most part, I actually kind of like the music in this. So that's that's neat that you you picked up on that because you're always pointing out that like you you feel like you don't pay enough attention to that yeah so that's kind of cool that you're you're starting to key in on that but i mean you have seen this movie many times but um god i i'm sorry folks i can't pronounce this guy's name the composer he has oh. a he has a very polish name it's, yeah it's like walk jip killer i thought i wrote it down i did not it i know how it's spelled it's like w-o-c-j-e-j-i-e-h and then killer is his last name he I know him mostly as the composer of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, okay. The, the Coppola movie. Gotcha. Um, from Coppola earlier did that? The... Yeah. I did not know. I was I was not aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he uh, he has a very operatic composition style. I mean, these are the only two movies of his I know. And if you look at like his Wikipedia or his IMDb, it seems like he's mostly a, a European film to, film composer rather than an American one. But his work on Bram Stoker was perfect like it fit the tone it fit the look perfectly i mean it's a gothic horror film choir is very much warranted um one of the only things i remember about my first viewing of the ninth gate when i was like 12 yeah um was a scene at the end of the movie that involves some very intense choir music and i kind of my memory was uh incorrect in Assuming that that choir was ever present throughout the movie, it's mm-hmm. not. It's it's, not. it's mostly just relegated to the climax of the film. 
a couple of choice scenes. <laughs> Interesting uh, choice of words. <laughs> <laughs> Climax. <laughs> can't believe as a 12-year-old boy, the end scene is the one that... Yeah, was, that hard, one. hard to believe that that yeah. would be the one scene I'd retain in a movie that's mostly just Johnny Depp walking and smoking and reading books. Crazy. Yeah, imagine that. Um, but the score for this film is very, very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, it's composed beautifully. It sounds like an opera or a, a classic symphony. Only my only issue with it is uh, it's limited. There are three major melodies that play throughout the movie that are repeated ad nauseum throughout the entirety of it, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of scenes that don't need music that have music. Like you said, sometimes the tone doesn't quite fit, so it's all very pleasant to listen to, but it gets very repetitive, and it becomes noticeable when again all you're looking at is Johnny Depp flipping through books and smoking <laughs> well yeah let's uh, let's talk about the plot a little bit so uh yeah. johnny depp is an unscrupulous character i found that to be the best uh definition to describe him yeah, uh, unsc- he is without scruples <laughs> unscrupulous but he is professional i will give him that he is very professional um he is a i'm gonna say a rare book uh, appraiser mm-hmm. i would say yeah um he basically goes in and tells rich people this collection of books you have are worth a lot of money this is how much they're worth um and he is hired by boris balkan played by frank langella or frank langella i've always said langella but i think it's langella i'm not really sure um big dude he's hired <laughs> by him who is a, i'm assuming billionaire or at least multi-millionaire uh, he, tra- he, he owns a very large building in downtown New York. <laughs> air quotes. Yeah, um, New York air New quotes. York. <laughs> um, and he has an extensive collection on the book uh, on books about the devil. It's as he says, it's the most extensive collection in the world. He has the largest book, largest collection of books about the devil, and he has one in particular um, that was written by I can't remember who it was supposed. To, it's a it's a fictional book. It's not real. Um, uh, it's. He has a copy of it, and there apparently are only three copies in the world, and he wants Johnny Depp to take his copy and compare it to the other two um, copies of this book to verify its authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, it gets a little... Um, I, how, I don't know. It's hard to describe, because there's not really much that really happens in this movie, um, other than like, oh, wow. <laughs> like you said, it takes... It takes Johnny Depp a movie to figure out what you could figure out in about five minutes. Yeah, to me that was the weakest link in the yeah. whole in the whole production. But we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the plot is kind of like a it's it's very noir in the way it's constructed. That there's even like a femme fatale type character. Two of them, in fact. Uh, I'm gonna call her Succubus. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's more. There, there's one with superpowers, and then there's one that has a superpower known as money. Mm-hmm. She has Batman powers. Uh, and sure. she's batshit crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it feels like a noir picture, but the the caper, the, the whole thing that we're we're trying to track down, the whole mystery is centered around these books rather than like finding a person or a, stopping a killer or something along those lines, something more conventional. Well, you you say noir, uh, and it, it's interesting because he did Chinatown, mm-hmm. which is an LA noir. Like, was that uh, neo noir? I would say. Yeah, I think that. I think both movies probably fall under that category. Um, and Chinatown definitely more falls that thread, and I like that. I like that movie. Um, I like this one a little bit better. And he's he's just basically a book detective. Um, yeah, that's, that's to me. That's what I read it as. Is he's he's a book detective. He's trying to not only locate these books, but there's some sort of mystery that to begin with he doesn't even know what he's looking for really 
Um, this is the second devil movie that uh, Roman Polanski has done. Yeah, Rosemary's Baby yeah. is the big one. It's just... Yeah. <laughs> um, we don't need to dive into Polanski at all. Um, so, yeah, so we start out, uh, Johnny Depp, and we we learn kind of how his, how his character yeah, is. Yeah, go over his introduction. So he is actually, we, we meet him talking to a very um, wealthy family about their book collection. And it appears, though, it's the children of a very rich man. And the rich man has had... I'm assuming a stroke. Uh, he, yeah. He's lost the inability to speak, and he can't really move either. He's just sitting in a wheelchair, peering out the window. Mm-hmm. And he's talking to the two kids, not children, uh, <laughs> but they're they're adults. And he's yeah. basically telling them, like, this collection that you have is worth quite a bit of money, maybe five or six figures even, uh, high five, low, low six. And he's like, I can definitely find you a buyer. And he's like, but I actually, this, uh, I like this um, smaller collection that you have um and i'm taking i'm willing to take it off your hands it's not gonna be too pricey but i've got cash right now i'll go ahead and buy it and he lowballs them extremely because the father in the wheelchairs who's had a stroke is just seething and he's just like wanting to scream because johnny depp is ripping them off yeah you can tell that he's physically incapable of expressing the frustration that he's feeling but um the thing about that scene is that it, it teaches us what what it is he does, but mm-hmm. also teaches us, like you said, that he is not afraid to be a little underhanded and mm-hmm. sleazy. Yeah. Um, I think his actual job is is an appraiser. Yeah. But on on the down low, he he does like brokering or something. Yeah. And yeah, the book collection he picks up is like a four volume Don Quixote. Oh, that's the name. Yes. Which. Um, I watched this on Amazon Prime, and it has like you know the trivia bar that pops mm-hmm. up on the top left of the screen, and it said something about like this particular edition of the books is worth an astronomical oh really like, amount of money, and yeah the the guy's the old man's expression kind of sells the entire thing. Where it's He's like, like motherfuckers. Fun, fun, funny little <laughs> note about that scene though is um, so the scene preceding that, I think the very first scene in the movie is a suicide scene. Yes, actually the first uh, we. Some rich dude in um, in a study. Uh, <laughs> and I can tell he's a rich dude if he has a study. So yes, so it's a nameless dude, and I really like... I've always wanted to have enough money to have a study, but this is not the kind of study I'd want. It's very well lit and very bright. I'm like, I've always thought of studies as being very dark, with mm. like really dark leather furniture, and just like one little lamp, and yeah, fireplace. But yeah, so he um, pins a little suicide note there, it looks like, and then hangs himself. Yeah, was that a Mr. Teffler? Yes, that's that was uh, Mr. Teffler, um, and he, right before his suicide, sold his book to Boris Balkin, Franklin yes. Gella. Um, so the the catalyst for the story is basically Mr. Balkin coming into possession of this book. Yes, of which there are only three in the world. Um, that scene when Mr. Teffler is doing his suicide via hanging. Mm-hmm. Um, very well shot. Very well shot. Um, there's like a one-shot sequence where you, you see this old man like penning his suicide note in his study, and then the camera just like very casually and cleanly pans over to like a footstool mm-hmm. with like a rope hanging above it, and then it pans back to him, and it's just like, oh, okay, I get what's happening. <laughs> and then, yeah, sure enough, he goes about it, and instead of like seeing like all the, the grim details of it, we get some shots of like a light fixture getting yanked out of the ceiling and mm-hmm. him like 
kicking a bit. Man, your movies have a lot of hangings. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was just going <laughs> to say, like, he was finishing up his tomatoes Campbell soup out of the can, and he's ready to come back inside with you guys. Uh, I'm ready to come I'm back inside. I'm ready ins- to come back inside. I'm ready to come back inside. I'm all, I'm all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally look. not a thing. That's one of my favorite parts of that movie. It's um, like, oh, Wilford Brimley. Oh, You're so silly. Check out the Thing episode if you get a chance. Well, even the Mummy. Like, <laughs> your movies have a lot of hangings, Kyle. Yeah, man. <laughs> It just, it just pops up, you know? Um, oh, but um, coming to the next scene, though, Johnny Depp's introductory scene, I just wanted to throw out there that um, it's like the second scene in the movie, and I picked up on a really bad ADR in that sequence. That it, You don't want that early in your movie because no. it kind of sets the tone. Thankfully, I didn't notice that throughout the movie, but there's just this weird part where he's, uh, he's looking at the old man up and down, the old man in the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And then his lips don't move at all as he's like walking back towards the, the kids in the room. And he says some offhand like little joke that clearly was dubbed over it. But like nothing nothing on his face moves. So it's really obvious. So he has to make a joke about a stroke victim. Uh-huh. They, had to, they had to ADR a joke about a stroke victim. Wow. Yeah, they, they called him back to the studio so he could make a joke about a stroke victim. Nice, <laughs> nice. Roman Polanski was like in the editing booth. He was like, "Fuck, we missed our chance <laughs> we on the missed set." Our <laughs> listen, it's absolutely essential to the film. Listen, I am a terrible person, okay? <laughs> and we missed a perfect opportunity for a stroke joke, and we have to go back. Johnny, Johnny, I need you to come back. <laughs> Can you drive over here? Because you're European now. He's like, uh, Johnny, I, I know I can't come to New York, <laughs> but, but maybe you could come here. It's not a risk I'm willing to take. Um, I don't know what that accent is, but I don't. I, I don't know what, what he sounds what, like. I don't know what he sounds. The like. only time I've ever actually seen him, he's in Chinatown. He he does a little scene in Chinatown. See, I haven't seen Chinatown, mm. but you know what I have seen mm. that he's in. Hmm. Rush Hour 3. He's in Rush Hour... There's a... Okay, first of all, there's a Rush Hour 3. <laughs> I didn't even know there was a Rush Hour 3. It's not good at all. They let him back in the United States for Rush no, Hour 3? No, it takes place in Paris. Oh, okay. And he is like a customs officer or something. Man, the, And he's just there. And it's like, what? <laughs> Seriously, directors must really appreciate him. Like, fuck all that shit, man. America... Oh, America, you don't want him to be in America anymore? Fine, we'll go over there and put him in our movie. Yeah, he was good enough to be in Brett Ratner's movie. Jesus. Yeah, Jackie Chan's doing the, like... I call it, um, like, face acting. Where it, it's where basically you're, uh, you're saying the lines, mm-hmm. but your face isn't. Oh. <laughs> so, like, he's just like, Carter! Like, uh... I don't want any trouble. <laughs> like, uh, what's your face? Olivia Munn in The Predator. Uh, well, pretty much every... Every performance. Yes, yes. <laughs> Again, she's funny in Slam and Salmon. Uh, I'll give her that. Uh, so yeah, uh, Johnny Depp is summoned by Frank Langella. Uh, yeah, who's... He meets him at a, a talk. Yes, he's doing a talk, which puts him to sleep. Uh, but Johnny Depp was drinking a little bit that day and probably the night before. He's a little bit of a boozer. He's not getting shit house, but he's he's drinking a little bit every day. Not yeah. that there's anything wrong with that, but <laughs> you can definitely tell like he he's drinking quite a bit throughout the movie. Um the few things that bothered me in this movie, uh, one of them is Frank Langella's uh, code is 666. I'm like, really? Does, yeah. Do we really need to see that? We even get to see it twice. We see it twice. And it's a little too on the nose. I'm like, okay, we get what you're doing. Um, yeah, the camera like keys in on it, too. Yeah. It's, it's not It's not like an Easter egg. Like, no. It, we're meant to see that. We're supposed to see his code is 666. And then he shows off his uh, his 13 Ghosts vault of books. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I was thinking, too, is the 13 Ghosts. That's such a weird weird thing in that movie. It's like, it's just a glass. It's... Well, I mean, that was a 
That was a that was some cool production design. I I remember liking that. Much that was a be- cool set. Much better than Ghost Ship. Um, yeah, because they were like when it right. comes to early two thousands horror, violent horror. Um, yeah, I think Thirteen Ghosts takes the cake. Ghost Ship. I don't know for House, some House on Haunted Hill was pretty good. I, I liked that too. I yeah. thought that was. I almost rewatched that. Actually, I wanted to watch the um, uh, Vincent Price oh. uh, House on Haunted Hill. Vincent Price. Vincent Price. <laughs> um, I would like some Fruit Loops. <laughs> yes, uh, I wanted to re- watch that and then watch the uh, remake. Um, just to just get an idea. Um, love his glasses in this movie, Franklin Gella. I like his. Oh glasses. yeah, no, his whole uh, his whole ensemble, like his whole outfit from head to toe is. It projects a certain image that like belies the intensity that he is is deep down. We talked about this. We both really like him in this oh, movie. Oh, he's great. He's so great. He steals the whole movie. He is terrifying as a huge like he's like six four and he's big. Like he's built like a fucking linebacker. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's a he's, big dude. He's thick. Yeah. He's he's big and wide. <laughs> he could have played football. I'm gonna argue like he I wouldn't doubt it. He, man. he probably did. Well, I don't know where he went to college, but it doesn't matter. Um <laughs> But yeah, there's just something about his voice that is terrifying. He, and in particular, I mean, he's a very good actor yeah. in general. But this this character, uh, he was channeling something that really worked. Where he he plays both ends of it very very well. Where mm-hmm. he's like this super rich erudite, like billionaire. Like I forget if he's a I forget what he's in business for. But whatever it is he does requires him to have a public face mm-hmm. and he very clearly has a mask he puts on to deal with the public but deep down he's, he's a, a sociopath fuck, he's a fucking batshit crazy devil worshiper yeah. and he's like super serious about he's it super serious <laughs> about it um so yes he's uh he shows johnny depp his extensive collection in the uh, 13 ghost cage yeah um <laughs> and then he wants him like we said earlier uh he wants him to go compare his books to the other two to check its authenticity this awesome book about the devil um rumored to have been written um in part by the devil um which is why franklin gill is so it's his most prized possession it's the most important thing in the world which is weird for the for the writing in this movie why wouldn't he make photocopies because he does make photocopies at one point why didn't he just make photocopies of certain things and go compare it i don't know like why would he trust his most prized possession with somebody who is, I mean, uh, a, a book appraiser, basically? Why would he trust him to go across the pond and go look for everything? Yeah, it is kind of a weird thing because Johnny Depp is actually pretty transparent mm-hmm. when it comes to telling people what he's doing yeah. and, and who he's doing it for. Um, I would understand if, uh, if it was because he was on very poor terms with the other owners of the books um because it's understood that all these people know each other mm-hmm. at least by reputation yeah they do know each other um but yeah uh, all these people are not, they're smart enough to know that if we're talking about you know multi-million dollar books um i'm going to ask why you're here and mm-hmm. who and who you're working for yeah and you know there's only so many ways you can skirt around that so johnny depp in most instances ends up just telling people i work for boris balkan because there's only so many people well they think it's um well they know teffler was the one that had the book and he's like well it's not teffler he hung himself and they're like yeah. oh it must be balkan then and uh, i mean went, again these people are not dumb they're not stupid if one of them died and mysteriously gave the book to one of these guys right before yeah it's gonna you know it's gonna get your bullshit detector running yeah um so yes, we get back to uh, Johnny Depp's. Oh, he he goes to visit um, 
Teffler, the Teffler widow, Widow Teffler, um, to ask her about the book. Uh, he's just kind of asking, like, how did he acquire it? Because uh, he, the the guy hung himself, so he had some questions. He's like, how did he acquire it? Uh, she's like, it's weird that he gave it to you, or he sold it because it was his most prized it was his most prized book. Mm-hmm. Um, we come to find out that she does not want to part with the book, actually. Yeah, she wants to buy it back. Um, we, we get back to... Uh, there's not really much going on in the scene. It's just a little chit-chat. Um, she's... I mean, you she can, yeah. she's playing it very coy. There's, yes. there's obviously something going on on her end of things, but she's not ready to talk about it just yet. The only thing that becomes clear is that she wants the book back. Yes. Uh, she goes to his apartment later uh, in the evening. Uh, product placement, Whirlpool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna point out some of the product placement in this. Um, it's nowhere near like Transformers uh, product placement, but nothing is. Nothing geez. is. Uh, but no, there's just a few. There's just a few. That I picked up on. Um, yes, Whirlpool product placement. Uh, she comes by. Um, they have a go. Um, they, they hook up. Um, she tries to take the book uh, back away from him. Um, oh, sorry. We, we didn't meet his friend. Yeah. Um, um, rare book guy. Johnny, Johnny Depp has a, a friend who's in the rare book business um, in his... Very clearly Parisian um, <laughs> place of business. Nice and Queens, bro. Yeah, yeah obviously. Um, this buddy of his uh, is a book dealer, so it seems that whenever Johnny Depp makes these sleazy, underhanded book sales, this uh, in this guy. case the uh, Don Quixote collection, um, this is the guy he uses to get it sold. Mm-hmm. And uh, he and he and this guy have this funny relationship where it's like you can tell they're friends, but at the same time. The guy is like trying to get him to dial back his habit. He's like, "Hey Johnny, like this is this is really good for both of us, but you know, this is probably going to bite you in the ass at some point and I don't exactly like selling dirty books." Yeah. <laughs> but also there's a lot of money in this, so I'm going to do it this one time. And they they also both have a lot of curiosity too. So mm-hmm. it's like they know it's wrong on some level, but at the same time, they're not about to stop doing what they're doing. So yeah. he's the more cautious personality of the two, but he's still involved. And he's still doing it. He's the wolf of book appraisal. <laughs> yeah, actually. But in between all this, we get a we get a we get a very short tour of uh, Johnny Depp's apartment, which is a shithole. And I, I actually thought it was well constructed from mm-hmm. a production design standpoint because mm-hmm. we see him eating like a hungry man or something. He just throws it in, he, like box and all. Like he hasn't even opened the box. So I think that um, just from like the boozy, the bougie um, standpoint, um, I had a friend explain it to me when I um, I found out how they had to post about how people who died, famous people, what was the last thing they ate. Oh, like. Um, there was like a confederate general who had like uh, molasses cooked buffalo or something like that and potatoes or way to go (laughs) Rasputin had like some kind of bread and some coffee or tea or something and then like John Belushi he died and he had had lentil soup and he was such a huge guy you're like that was his last meal yeah and I mentioned it to a buddy of mine he's like yeah I mean he was a boozer and the last thing you want to do if you're a full blown alcoholic is to put a lot of food in your stomach Um, you want to keep it you want to just keep the booze in there you don't really want to eat too much um and in this case you see johnny depp he's just like food is an afterthought so he's just i don't really give a shit so i read that as 
he drinks more often than not. And you can tell in the movie that he's drinking quite a bit. And never he does get drunk a few times, but it's never... He's not getting smashed every night. Yeah. But he does keep quite a bit of alcohol in the system but throughout the week. His gut space is reserved for booze? Yeah, that's what that's what I took it as. Well, it's booze like, and cigarettes. And cigarettes. So, that yeah, too, his yeah. appetite's probably not... Yeah. His metabolism probably non-existent. He's on, he's on a real Hemingway <laughs> diet right now. <laughs> But the other thing I noticed about that scene, other than just the humor of him opening his freezer and just throwing this throwing box in his microwave. He's not eating that. <laughs> is that. I think he pours himself a drink right after that. And then he sits down at his uh, his beige CRT monitor on his desk. And in the background, though, we see piles and piles of books like crammed into a shelf. Not, not beautifully organized, but mm-hmm. just like smashed in there. And it kind of seems to be a theme with a lot of the major characters in this story where these characters have unusual priorities yes where it's like obviously sustaining him his physical self isn't terribly important because he's he eats crap he smokes he drinks mm-hmm. but his tiny apartment is crammed with books um i was actually i was actually curious about that and i was wondering if it was like he has maybe his own collection of books or he just they don't they never show him reading which no no. (laughs) i think the only person who reads in this like for real is the uh, baroness kessler i think maybe she's seen reading at one point but no none of these people that collect books they don't mention anything about reading them and langella even when he um when he's talking about his uh, devil collection at the 13 Ghosts uh, cage, he he's just like, it's the most extensive collection in the world, and just not even to mention the centuries of knowledge that's in there. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, have you read them? Like, <laughs> Of course. Like, it would have been cool if he gave like an example. He's like, the like knowledge. Like, did you know that in 17, or like 12th century Scotland that they would do this shit? Or, well, like, if you wanted to make devil. him really creepy, you have him reference like almost like bible scripture Mm -hmm. or like reference a specific paragraph on a specific page of a specific book that would have been creepy it's like oh damn this guy's no joke it's like you spend a lot of time in the 13 ghost cage it's just like yeah they just collect these books and i maybe they just read the hot spots like (laughs) they read the cliff's notes of the devil (laughs) yeah yeah they're just like oh that's cool passage that's a cool passage put this way i'm gonna go buy another one um yeah, his apartment is a shithole. It's just not very nice. And I'm I'm also wondering if he just if he is a reader and he just has them all piled back there. And maybe he's just he has a crappy apartment and he's just like tucking back money. Like maybe he's saving for something. I don't know. Yeah, he could be doing like a punch drunk love kind of thing. <laughs> it's it's the rainy day fund. Like he's got a million dollars in the bank just sitting there. Uh, I'm assuming he's got quite a bit of money uh, if he's flipping well, that, books like this. Well, that's the thing is like he has a lot of money, but what's he doing with it? it seems like he's just sitting on it. Yeah, he's but they he never mentions anything like that, but that's what I'm gathering. He, he's planning a trip to Fiji. <laughs> a lifetime trip to Fiji. What is that? Punch drunk love? No, that's Truman show. Truman show, that's what it was. Um so yeah, uh, interesting thing. Um, kind of six cents ish. Six cents ish. Six cents ish. Um, the use of red. Did you notice the use of red in this movie? Mm, I don't think I did. I didn't mean to pick up on it. But there's a few. I, okay. I, 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 a few notes. Um, he has all socks when he. All of his socks are red when he's packing. Really? He has all red socks. Wow, I didn't even notice. Yeah, um, really dark, really dark red, almost maroon, but like okay. very, very red socks. It's very subtle, and I think that was on purpose. Like, we're not going to have him put bright red socks on, like Nathan, Nathan Lane in Birdcage, where he puts on the big socks. <laughs> One must have some color. Um, 
Yeah, the use of red there, and I think the card that they steal is red. He's like, oh, that's yeah. not too conspicuous, yeah. huh? Um, there's a few other. There's I think there's a couple other things. Oh, he's always drinking Johnny Walker Red Label product placement. Oh, oh. Um, see, I wouldn't have noticed that. Lucky Strikes. He's smoking Lucky Strikes, and this is interesting. Um, Lucky Strikes are, I think, only now only have um, no filters. If you buy them in the store, they they're filterless cigarettes, and you mm. do see him smoking filterless cigarettes, uh, and. There's at one point he has Lucky Strikes that have filters on them, which I was very interested in when I watched him. Like, where can you get Lucky Strikes with filters on them? <laughs> because I'm a former smoker, and I was like, I kind of want to try because uh, I've had Lucky Strikes before without the filter, and I'm not, I'm not smoking that shit now. Like, that's too strong. I'm like, but with the filter, like, I kind of want to try that. Um, give him a, give him a whirl. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was weird that Lucky Strikes were front and center in this movie. Maybe it's a thing in Europe. Maybe. I mean, I, that's I obviously where most, like, this entire film was made, so... Oh, on location as fuck. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and this is also the, the late 90s, early 2000s, when smoking was still cool in movies. Oh, yeah. I kind of miss that. Oh, yeah. Um, 90s were very big time for smoking, especially because the anti-drug campaigns were in full swing, and... And if you want a kid to, to do something, you tell him not to. <laughs> if you if if you haven't seen, thank you. I'm going to talk about the cigarettes real quick. Just just, just get it over with. No, um, you've, you've had this bottled up for quite a while. Um, if you've ever seen, uh, thank you for smoking. I don't know if you have. I have not. Um, it's it's really good. Uh, Aaron Eckhart plays the spokesperson for uh, Big Tobacco, and it seems like late, like I think early '90s. Although it looks like it's the 2000s easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but he. He's watching a movie, and it's an old, like, black and white uh, war movie, and the guy's like, huh, you know what I use right now is a cigarette, and he's a smoker, and he's just sitting there with his kid, and his kid's asleep, and he's just, he just just goes for his cigarette pack, and he stops, and he's like, holy shit, this is a way we can market cigarettes. It's like, I didn't even want a cigarette, but I heard him say cigarette, and I wanted a cigarette. So, that, I mean, you could definitely definitely make an argument that that is effective i would say from personal experience yes it is but like (laughs) um this movie especially i wanted a cigarette so bad well the ubiquity of of cigarettes in this movie like there's quite a bit of smoking and virtually every scene in which someone is flipping through a book which is the majority of the movie involves someone lighting a cigarette um, there's like we talked about in Undisputed too. Um, like we're we're seeing the two fight we're seeing the two fighters at the very beginning and they are jacked. Yeah. One of the reasons why they look so jacked, I mean they are, but is the overhead lighting and that is very very useful for cigarette smoking as well. Oh really? Um, so if you uh, an instance of bad lighting for smoking is Die Hard. Watch uh, Bruce Willis smoke in Die Hard. It's not it's not cool because you can barely <laughs> see him exhaling. You can't see the smoke. You can't see it coming out of the cigarette really. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It's just not done very well. This movie, on the other hand, it makes smoking look phenomenal. Like, you're just seeing the shots. One but. of the ugliest instances I can think of uh, of smoking portrayed in cinema was uh, Linda Hamilton in Terminator 2. Oh, there's, yeah. there's a shot where her cigarette, she has not touched it. Yeah. It's just been in her I know fingers exactly what for, like, talking about. a half hour or something. Like, it's just lingering there like well, even the ash is still hanging off of it well i don't think he was trying to glamorize smoking in that shot well, and I, I, he definitely wasn't trying to glamorize her well, either th- so. well think about this this is uh, uh lucky strike nothing is in a movie for no reason uh lucky strike is in here uh, all over the place so it makes sense that a director would make smoking look really good if yeah. you're trying to sell lucky strikes from this movie um, basically, um, but I think it's done really well. And one of the, another thing that bothers me about smokers in movies is people who don't smoke in real life. Oh. And it, as a smoker, you can pretty much pick up on 
who's a smoker in real life and who's not. Dane Cook in um, My Best Friend's Wedding, he's smoking throughout the movie. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. It, like, <laughs> it's like somebody who's never smoked before smoking. Johnny Depp, I mean, is a well-known smoker. Um, it just it comes naturally. He's got his own style. He exhales through the nose. He makes it look so cool. Well, he's got a thing about his hands. Yeah. Like, there's there's a lot of actors that are very ta- have very talented hands. Um, funny enough, Chris Pratt. Like... If, I don't know. I haven't seen that many of his movies, but I have noticed, like at least in the Jurassic World movies, he has very educated hands. Really, I did not notice. Like, that. just pay attention to what he does from like the forehands down. He's just got sexy like, hands. Like from the like forearms down. Like he's he like the way he positions his hands and the way he gestures is very impactful and very effective. <laughs> it's it's a weird thing to notice, but Johnny Depp's always had a thing about his hands. Like he has like i think tattoos and, and yeah ring, he, he and rings all over the place like from hell is a johnny depp smoking movie as well um he, he i think it's probably the more sexy of the uh, johnny depp smoking movies um, <laughs> there's an entire subgenre of film called johnny depp smoking seriously i might i might have to move <laughs> there are 50 movies in this subgenre <laughs> i'm gonna have to put a list together of johnny depp smoking movies um, the best of johnny depp smoking on film seriously um <laughs> So yeah, this is just, as a smoker, if you're a former smoker, this is going to be torture, because they make it look real good. I have a cigarette sitting I mean, in my I've, room I've still. never smoked at all, but it did look kind of cool. Right? <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. It works! I mean, shit, it it's like, all the times I've been reading books, it's like, fuck, I could have been smoking while I was doing that? <laughs> I'd say, say what you will about Roman Polanski, he did a lot for Big Tobacco. He did a lot. A true American hero. Oh, gosh. Um, also, Johnny Walker product placement throughout this. A lot of it. Um, I wonder if that was like Johnny Depp's doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so let's move along with the plot here. Yeah, um, um, you want to talk about the scuffle with the lady Lady Teffler? Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he hooks up with her and the book well, is not... She she comes at him. She comes at him like a spider monkey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, she's quite aggressive. I mean, it's quick. I mean, we're talking like two minutes and they're at it. Like... I mean, yeah, she she does the whole thing where she pulls up the one end of her skirt, and he's like, oh, I, "I see what I see what you did there." That was, <laughs> that, was that was an interesting scene because Johnny Depp is a notoriously handsome dude, and he's still Johnny Depp is a like in the movie he's still a good looking guy, and he's a little flustered. Like, uh, like I'm telling you, I have this theory about Johnny Depp, and I think he's a, I think he's not happy with himself as a person. Okay, because he he has a. I don't know, he has an affinity for, like, characters that are unscrupulous and weaselly and not, not like, the traditional hero. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll you'll never see him doing, like, a an Arnold Schwarzenegger-type role or a Chuck Norris or a Steven Seagal kind of role where it's, like, he has all the answers. He knows everything. He can handle himself. Well, usually he just gets by. <laughs> and he's usually the, in underhanded ways, and usually he's not a good person. Spoiler: He's a bad guy. He's one of the bad guys in um, Murder on the Murder on the Orient Express. Actually, he's the main bad guy. I wouldn't doubt it. Um, which is a really good. Like, like I said, he seems to have a thing with hiding himself in his roles. So he always has lots of ornamentation, crazy makeup, uh, and he does seem to gravitate towards roles where he is disliked by other people and regarded in a negative light. It's interesting you say um, uh, like accessories, like he always has stuff all over him. That's yeah. actually a joke that uh, a comedian I like has made. He's like, are you going to put on more scarves or some shit like that? Like, yeah, he does. Well, I think of it almost of as like a kind of dysmorphia where it's like, imagine you're Johnny Depp and you're the like one, of the, most, of, the world. one of the most handsome people yeah. in the world at the moment. You're getting all these amazing roles tossed at you, but you don't like yourself. Yeah. How do you get over that? You hide. You hide. 
you you play Edward Scissorhands instead of the Lothario. Well, I, I, he's from Owensboro, Kentucky, and I'm actually from Southern Indiana, which is about fifty. Where I'm from is about fifty forty five minutes away from where uh, he grew up, and it's a shithole. Like mm-hmm. Owensboro, I'm sorry if you're listening from Owensboro, Kentucky, but you know that it's not a great place to live. It's not a good place to live. Um, just that region in general, and I've heard that he. He was a little bit of a rebel. I think he might have had some issues. He had, he some had like, issues. like drug and alcohol, and he yeah. was in a band. I know that. Yeah, one. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he had a leather jacket. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, I know he was in a band for sure. Yeah, um, that's how he got the Nightmare on Elm Street gig. Um. Ah, never mind. I was, <laughs> was going to talk about the Pogues for a second, the lead singer of the Pogues, but oh. it, he he made a joke at Johnny Depp's expense. Oh, uh, it was pretty funny. Um. But yeah, so uh, he yeah he hooks up with the Teffler the Teffler widow, um, and then she's looking for the book frantically, and he's not there. He gave it to his friend to hold on to mm-hmm. because he's like, this is a little fishy. I'm already not real comfortable with this, but I'm gonna have you hold on to it for now. And maybe he wants to look at it. He's like, mind if I look at it for a little bit or something? She looks for it. He doesn't have it. They get into a scuffle. And a very then, awkward scuffle. And then he gets knocked the fuck out. Um, First of many instances. Yes, <laughs> he might need to see a doctor. Yeah, he's multiple concussion victim by the end of this movie. Yeah, uh, he's not doing well. <laughs> um, he he wakes up the next morning and he goes to the bookstore to get the book. He has to go to Europe, the Europe's. Um, he goes to the bookstore and he's a little nervous because he's been knocked out and he's like. Well, he tries calling his friend. He's not answering, like trying to give him a heads up. Like, hey, I just got knocked out. Some weird shit's going on. He goes there, and his friend is dead, and he is hanging upside down by a leg, which is one of the illustrations um, done in the book. And it might be by LCF. It might be one of the drawings that was supposed to be written by the devil. I think so. Um, uh, He goes in there. He doesn't call the cops or anything like that. He goes in and... Just goes up, goes up the spiral staircase, and he knows where he hides his stuff. And he, this is a cool shot because he takes the book, and there's also, did you notice there's a huge stack of cash in there? Yeah. Doesn't touch it. Yep. And I thought that was interesting. So while he's unscrupulous, he's not a complete piece of shit, I guess. Because <laughs> he's like, well, I don't want to call the authorities. I need to get this book and stuff. But I'm going to go ahead and just take the book. And I'm not going to take the money, which mm. I was like, okay, I guess he has a little bit of, a little bit of morals. Well, he's a fucking book dealer. <laughs> he's he's not like a criminal mastermind. No. Um, yes, yeah, so and now he calls he calls Boris Balkan. He's like, dude, I don't want to do this shit. And he's like, that's unacceptable. You're gonna do this. And he's like, no, I'm not. He's like, add another zero to your uh, check. And he's like, okay, I'm doing this. Uh, <laughs> okay, um, away we go. <laughs> so he gets off to the Europe's. Um, now he's does he get on the train first? He's taking the train to France, or has he already got to his hotel and got? And I think then, he gets to the hotel first. He gets to the hotel and then he takes the train and he notices um, there's a young woman. Well, her name is the girl. She the has girl. Um, green eyes. Uh, gorgeous French actress. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm I, big I, time crush. I didn't catch her name either. But. Uh, no, her name is the girl. Um, yeah. but I forgot. I don't remember her name. Um, he noticed her at the little seminar that we we talked about uh, that Boris Balkan was doing, and he fell asleep. Now she's on this train. Seminar about witches, by the way. Seminar about witches. She's also in the lobby at the hotel. Yeah. Um, I think that's... He's like, oh, and then he he has a few drinks, quite a few drinks in the bar car of the train, and he goes up to her because he sees her. He's like, hey, are you following me? She's like, 
don't know what she's talking about. He's like, all right, well, send Balk in my regards. She's like, what are you talking about? He's like, whatever, man. <laughs> yeah, during this scene, we get um, first instance of some supernatural phenomenon in the movie. Yeah, what was it? Uh, her eyes changed. Oh, yes. Um, she isn't telling him her name mm -hmm. and she asks him like you call me whatever you want and he, you call he, me whatever you want and he says okay green eyes and then we get this awkward shot where yeah. her, her eyes change from like kind of a, a pale gray green to like an intense emerald green yeah briefly and then he just kind of doesn't react and then it leaves and the whole time i'm watching that scene i'm like she's a demon yeah i was like <laughs> You, you might want to take notice of that, bud. <laughs> like, it's a little weird. I think it might be what he's seeing is different from what we're seeing. I think that he is mesmerized by her eyes. Like, they're very, very green. And we're we're seeing them, like, pulsate or, like, just kind of blink a little. Like, what's the um, what's the word I'm trying to use? Like, they're high beams and low beams. Uh, <laughs> um, I think what he's seeing is he's just kind of mesmerized by her eyes. And they're just one solid, very bright... Mm -hmm capturing green what we're seeing is like this person is a problem well yeah no they it's very obvious that they change color as we're looking yes. at her. like it, it isn't just we cut and then they're just green like that it, it the transition happens no. plain as day in front of us but which brings us to like a problem with johnny depp's acting in this movie mm -hmm. um i had a lot of problems with it because he is non-reactive to virtually everything in this movie he's almost like sleepwalking through it He's like I like I said. He is seen in, al in almost every scene. He is drinking and smoking. <laughs> Seriously, like I mean, th that is a justification. I mean, that's a valid justification. He's either sleepy because he's not getting sleep from drinking too much, or he's got a buzz on and is not really affected by it. So, I think that it could be yes. He's just phoning it in where he's like, yeah, I'm going to do this Roman Polanski movie. Mm -hmm. But I feel like if he's doing a Roman Polanski movie he's going to be more engaged. So I'm going to argue that I think his character is just supposed to be boozy. And I think that might be the character's interaction with people. I guess like my issue with it was that like, um, we were talking about this the other day it came the character, John Constantine, yes. like from DC comics and yeah. from the Keanu Reeves movie or the TV show or whatever. Um, that's a character who the basis of his character is that he is comfortable with the occult yes. and, and demons Very much. because he lives in that world it's not unusual for him so he's able to come at these these horrible twisted things in this other world realm like from the standpoint of, an, of a person with calluses a person who is comfortable with this mm -hmm. johnny depp's character however is a book appraiser yeah when people start dying and horrible shit starts happening that he can't wrap his head around he to me he should have an, a knee-jerk response of being like flip the fuck out and he he has some intense phone calls with Frank Langella, mm -hmm. but it never gets to the point that it's like, I believe it. <laughs> like, and even his uh, investment in the mystery, like towards the end of the movie, he I think he even uses the phrase like I need to know. I need to know. Yeah. Yeah, but it comes out in that yeah. tone. Where's the I need to know? And it's like I agree with that. I'll, I'll give it's you that like much. okay, where's the energy? Like where you're supposed to show me that. I think the script is trying to tell us, like the script, not the performances, mm. the script is trying to tell us that throughout his journey, he's coming he's coming into the same mindset as the other people who are obsessed with these books. Um, and all of these people are very, they turn in very great performances and they all display their obsessions in different ways. But his character just kind of seems to be along for the ride. And he keeps doing things that 
are utilitarian to the plot. Like, it's required that he follows Frank Langella. Yeah, because the money. Yeah, he has to. But you never feel that his character is, like, emotionally engaged to the point that he probably should be. I, I would... I might be able to make the argument that he's better at playing not over-the-top characters, but I think about some of his good performances. Like, in Sleepy Hollow, he's very... He has a very high energy performance. Captain Jack Sparrow, those are fun. Um, I don't know of any like real serious roles besides what's eating Gilbert Grape. What's eating Gilbert Grape? I would say the same thing. Like he's kind of just like unaffected by everything that's well, happening. Well, think of him. his living situation though. Yeah, that's his reality. That's his like, reality. He lives in that from day to day. Whereas the Ninth Gate, he's he's coming into this world. What's that black and white one that he's? Is it Dead Man? I think you. Yeah. I I need to watch that. It doesn't have great reviews, but I need to watch it because. It's the Jarmusch movie, I think. It looks it looks good from my end. Um, but Re- he, recently got a Blu-ray release. But I think that at this point, he's better at playing more charismatic characters, and I don't think he really, I don't think he really plays a more serious role that I enjoyed until he did Black Mass, which is awesome. Well, even even Sleepy Hollow, though, his character, the whole thesis of him is that he's a man of science. He's a man of science who's but- grappling with supernatural. And so he comes at it from his foundation of, you know, scientific background. But I'm saying his more memorable performances are when he's just a little more. Yeah, but he's not open. doing that in this movie. That's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> I don't think he. That's what I'm saying. I don't think he really gets it. I don't think he really gets it until Black Mass, much later in his career. And yeah. this is very, very early in his career of being like, the shit. Like he's awesome. Well, at this, this was when he was hitting like kind of a dry period, as far as I remember. Mm-hmm. What? Like Secret Window was around this oh, time God. too, and that was kind of a flat performance too. That movie was terrible. What was what was before? What did what was before this? Because um, oh. Edward Scissorhands was early nineties. That was that was quite a while before this. Um, I can't quite remember, but I do remember like late nineties, early two thousands. He was a little flat. I think he was just taking like early McConaughey roles where it's just like he's just fuckable like that Don Juan DeMarco that movie is just him being fuckable that's all <laughs> that movie is um, maybe he was just still in the middle of that yeah I mean uh, Blow I think Blow might actually be his uh, again perfect for him another unlikable yeah. character who makes bad choices and is the villain and the hero at the same time yeah like he, I'm telling you he there's a consistent theme throughout his filmography I just think maybe at this point he he didn't quite have it. He didn't. He didn't have that ability. Well, I remember reading the Wikipedia article about this, like looking for justification, like mm-hmm. looking for an explanation as to why he was doing the, th- like making the creative choices he was. Mm-hmm. And there's like a quote from Polanski, and they're saying he was unhappy with him. Oh. <laughs> like, oh, apparently yeah. they were excited to work together, but the end result, Polanski was very disappointed. Hmm. Um, he did not like what Johnny Depp brought to the table. Yeah, he just, I just don't think he had it yet. <laughs> um, uh, but like you said, they're in Europe. They're surrounded by booze. Yeah. <laughs> like I would not be surprised if he, he just took a breather for a year or something. <laughs> take a minute. <laughs> He's like, I'm just going to take a knee on this one, Roman. Oh, jeez. think it'll be okay. <laughs> I'm tired today. Uh, tired today. I don't feel like doing more than two takes. Um, so... We're gonna meet our first person of the that has the collection. Yes, um, Fargus. Uh, he's we're in Spain at this point. He meets the twins. The twins kind of give him a background about the book, a little bit more information. Uh, again, played by the same guy. Again, smokers, and we had a problem <laughs> with this. Uh, we both noticed this that this book is very very rare and worth a lot of money. You can buy a couple of houses probably with this book easily. Um, and he's very careless with it, uh, but not as careless as the two twins, the two Spanish twins. The one is smoking, 
drops ashes on it and just kind of just dusts it off a little bit. And we're like, this is a, a crazy expensive book. Yeah, I, part of me because because of uh, Kessler's response regarding the smoking, I do feel like the production was aware that this is. It was almost like a running gag, mm-hmm. where it's like we're going to treat these priceless antiquities as just, just yeah. garbage. <laughs> um, but yes, after he meets them, he goes and meets um, Fargus, who has uh, an estate somewhere in it's Spain still. I, I do think believe. it's still Spain. Yeah. Um, he meets him, and he has a very old estate. Uh, mm-hmm. It's pretty run down, yeah, like it's that. overgrown with like ivy and foliage yeah it's just not looking good and he he shows up he's playing the violin and he i guess he made an appointment with him like hey mm-hmm. i'm gonna come by he's, oh yeah i remember now um he goes in there's no furniture in yeah this, uh, the, the interior house. of this house is it's a massive house but it's practically a mansion but uh yeah there's and, no ornamentation inside <laughs> um and referring back to like what i said at the top i was like why i chose this movie also so this is a movie i'm not entirely sure why i like but i do really like this scene mm. uh with this as do i with this collector um it's just it's interesting what you see about this character like it's, it's just done really well you go in you ask him if he wants a brandy and he's like yeah sure i'll take a brandy and he has no furniture except he has he has a table a small co- uh, not even a coffee table i'd say it's like a lamp table just something you'd have next to you in the living room and it has all of his dishware. It's like a few plates, bowls, probably some silverware. And then he has a nice Hemingway-esque uh, collection of uh, liquor, I do believe. Um, quite a quite a few bottles. He's got some booze. Um, and he's like, handsome glasses. Yeah, they're nice. And then he shows him his book collection. And this is all he has in the house, are those few things. And then this book collection, which is ordered. How, how are they ordered they're all on the floor by the way there's no bookshelf i forget exactly how we ordered them it's probably like alphabetical or date of publication or something along those lines um but yeah these aren't even displayed on shelves he just has like some carpet or rags laid out on the floor and all of the books are laid out on the floor and there are hundreds of them uh, with the spines facing the ceiling Mm -hmm. so like just planted on the ground like dominoes and pretty much his job, like all he does, I'm assuming retired. Uh, all he does is drink, play his violin, and clean these books. Yeah, he says he cleans them every day. Every day, and this and there is are a, hundreds of them. This is a big collection, and it's not like oh, I'm just gonna run a feather duster over my paperback collection on the on the shelf. Like these are antique, like antique books, basically, just very old editions. So there's a very certain way to clean them. I'm assuming. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but... but... Yeah, he starts excitedly showing off all the books in his collection and, like, just rattling off names and dates, basically, as as if, like, it's like a baseball card collection or, like, a Super Nintendo game collection, yeah. in my case. <laughs> um, and Johnny Depp is... The way he's acknowledging his comments, you can tell that every single one of these books is worth precious quite a bit of money. Yeah, and, and not only that, yes, it's very precious to the owner. Um, and he mentions in passing, uh, Fargus, he says, I will never part with this book. This is my, this is my most prized piece, much like, um, Boris Balkan is very, his prized possession is this book. And after he, so Johnny Depp is comparing Boris Balkan's book to Fargus's book. And he notices a few, few things that are different. He's like, well, I don't know. He's trying to authenticate his book. And he's like, well, there's, these are actually a little different. So I really don't know. It could be either one. And he tells him, he's like, I must have that book. And he's like, he's not going to part with it. He's like, okay. And hangs up the phone. Yeah. That's the, that's the extent of the conversation. Um, 
And I think he calls him the next day. He's like, I need you to go back out there and see if you can get the book. Yeah. And he's like, he's not going to part with it. He's like, eh, he might be more, con- like, he might, might be able to convince him. Who knows? Um, that's kind of what he's saying. It's still ominous. So around this time, I think, is where the girl starts to become a major component of the story. She's just kind of popping up at random times. Um, I think it's when he's leaving Fargus's home for the first time that uh, she... Saves him, yeah. Yeah, she saves him. So there is um, a character in this uh, movie who... we I think we see him at the beginning when he's meeting the widow, uh, the widow Teffler. I think so. He's seen. So he's a, a, a tall uh, black gentleman with uh, platinum oh, blonde he's, hair. He's not tall. I thought he was kind of tall. Johnny Depp's just small. Okay. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm I'm five. He's eight. actually quite small. <laughs> I'm five eight. Everybody looks taller than me. Um, so we, I, you can kind of gather that this guy's working for Teffler, the widow Teffler, and yeah. he keeps popping up because he wants the book. Yeah. He's supposed to be getting the book for her. Uh, he's about uh, he's about to beat Johnny Depp's ass uh, in the road. Yeah, a good bit of stunt driving there. In fact, I think they had to put a body double in for Johnny Depp. You think so? There, there are two car stunts in this movie that look dangerous as fuck yeah because <laughs> uh basically it's like a, a stop short type type situation where the car basically is supposed to go as close to the human being as possible without hitting them mm-hmm. and i think johnny depp is exiting the estate and then this car just like swoops yeah. in and comes within like inches of clobbering his kneecap <sighs> and, and then this guy's uh this uh, gentleman steps out of the car and confronts him. Yeah, and he's going to beat his ass. And then we have a, somebody on a motorcycle that just comes by. And he's not getting a good vibe from this person. And he just kind of backs up. Yeah, they leaves. have a little standoff. And they size each other up. And the guy gets back in the car and leaves. Yeah, and then she just takes off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next day, she's... Um, she pops up at the hotel, right? She pops up at the hotel. I think... They have a drink maybe upstairs or something like that, and she, I think she gives him a ride the next day. Mm-hmm. So she, she wakes him up early in the morning. Yeah, they go back. They go back to Fargus's place, and he knocks on the door, and he's like, he's not answering. He's like, he's not going to. And they're like, why? I'm like, because he's dead in the uh, the fountain. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, did how did he die? Uh, was he? It looked like suicide, but I think it was murder. I'm assuming it's implied. I think that uh, the gentleman from the car. Uh, Cisco. <laughs> Cisco, yeah. Uh, it's implied, I think, that he murdered him and then threw him in the, the pool up front. Yeah, because he goes for the book, and I think this one... Um, this one's on fire. No, 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 that's the one. That's where um, Kessler, Baroness Kessler's book is on fire, remember? It, I think they're both on fire. Are they both on fire? I think so. So this one he's able to salvage uh, yeah. out, out it, of the fireplace. Just, uh, just the uh, outer, like... The outer rim of the pages are burnt. But are the illustrations taken? No. The illustrations are still there? As far as I remember. I think that they're missing. Oh. I think that was what it was. Is the illustrations were... T- or, yeah, he compared the illustrations. The illustrations were taken, and he was still trying to get the book, mm-hmm. I, I believe. Um, but he, he gets the book, and he goes back, and he's looking at it. And now we get kind of a lull in the movie, because nothing really happens until we get to... Uh, Baroness Kessler, because mm-hmm. I can't think of anything besides smoking and drinking and some more on location yeah, it's, shots. Yeah, it's mostly just him having weird interactions with the girl who, yeah. who fails to become a character throughout the entire movie. But. Yeah, honestly, you could have just dropped her thread, like completely. Mm-hmm. She doesn't hardly do anything. I mean, yeah. she saves him a couple of times. She's actually the she's the one that keeps the uh, 
keep Cisco away from him. Well, and she does do a lot to keep the plot moving. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like you probably could have accomplished that just by making Johnny Depp's character more engaged in the story. Yeah. Because he's just kind of being drug along by the arm by her and by, you know, the occasional phone call from Frank Langella. He doesn't seem to be terribly invested in things until the very end. Well, like around the midway point, it turns into basically just an obligation where it's like, I can't turn back now because Frank Langella is threatening to kill my ass. Well, she's kind of his bad girlfriend. Like if mm-hmm. he starts dating her and she's like, oh, you can just scale the wall here and you can go get the book. And he's like, I don't want to fucking do that. <laughs> yeah. She goes she, in and unlocks she the She is kind of, but she's like doing this thing where it's like her, her intentions are never clear throughout the entire no. thing. So yeah, throughout the entire thing. <laughs> she has no, yeah, there's no clear motive. Like, I don't know what she's helping him for. Yeah. Um, but he just assumes that she's with Balkan. Yeah. Which is good enough, I guess. Um, she's not no. with Balkan. She's but I think that's why he goes along with her. He just assumes that she's working with Balkan. Mm-hmm. So now, um, skip, skip, skip. We're going to go meet uh, the Baroness Kessler, yes. um, who's an old German lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is, from what I can gather, a professor at Universidad. Uh, <laughs> she, uh, she has a... She's a scholar about the devil, basically. She says, I've dedicated my life to him. Uh, she's like, I saw him once when I was a little girl, and ever since then I've been in love with him. Um, <laughs> yeah, she, she's very matter-of-fact about it. Yeah. Uh, she, she can pinpoint. like She's like, no, I have a fascination because I had this weird experience when I was younger, and I now I teach people like, about it. Do you have a problem with that? Um, <laughs> and he's wanting to look at her book, and she's like, well, mine's authentic, and you're not going to look at my book. And she, he says something that really pisses her off. Uh, he mentions Balkan, I think. Oh, yeah. She's like, fuck that dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, you're not looking at shit. Oh, you work for him? Like, get out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I don't... He talks to Langella again, and he's like, I need you to... I still need you to go back. And he offers her something. Like, he's like, I'll let you look at... So this happens several scenes later. In between this, um, I think we get a sequence where Cisco tries to beat his ass and almost succeeds. Yeah, and then, yes. And then we get the float. This One is... of the most useless things in this movie. So there are a handful of instances of violence in this movie. Just mm. a handful. Yeah. Not not very many. No. Um Man, they're all clumsily executed. Yes. Like, every single one of them is just unwieldy and unpleasant to look at. Yeah. Like, from a purely aesthetic standpoint, it's like, yeah. I don't know if they choreographed this. I feel like they just turned on the camera and said, Roughhouse. The mar- <laughs> and with, with, like, Johnny Depp. <laughs> like, her martial arts double that's beating his ass. Like, you well, can, yeah. Yeah, it, like, there's one shot where they're just, like, standing, staring directly at each other at, like, exactly foot length. Yeah. And she just awkwardly front kicks him square in the chest, and he doesn't even react. He just falls on his ass. Yeah, it's it's, it's really bad. But yeah, the float that I mentioned refers to uh, her entrance into that scene. So uh, Johnny Depp, there's actually a good suspenseful scene where uh, he exits, I think, the Kessler's uh, um, office, mm-hmm. and uh, he notices Cisco's like case casing him. Yeah, and he goes to hide in a. Cafe. Like a cafe, and we get this nice passage of time sequence where we see that he's piling up receipts at the cafe. Smoking like he has like a whole drinking. table full of receipts for for coffee and cigarettes, basically. Oh, it's booze. He's boozing. Boozing. Okay, so he's been there all day, 
and Cisco's just planted out front. And then at some point, Cisco isn't there, so he decides to hightail it and run. The light comes on in the cafe, and he's yeah. gone. Yeah, they flick the lights, and it's like, like oh, oh yeah, the they we get that nice shot of the reflection in the window. Yeah, where Johnny Depp's been sp- staring out this window the entire time he's been in there, and when they turn on the, I think the interior lights mm-hmm. in the cafe, um, all of a sudden the window he's looking out of uh, only re- only casts his reflection, yeah. so he can only see himself, so he can't see outside anymore, which prompts him to try to leave, and he's safe for a couple seconds. Cisco jumps him as as you do uh they have a scuffle and then the float happens where uh they're roughhousing under a bridge i'm sure it's a very famous location in paris Um, and then the girl instead of running down the stairs she just goes from the the top of this bridge and just like floats down she comes from like the seventh stair from getting onto the ground that's where like if you look at the angle that she's coming from it looks like she's coming from the seventh stair. Like she went down the stairs, almost there. I'm like, I'm gonna float from and the yeah, I think down. I'll just float the rest of the way. Yeah. It's like, why not just float from the top? <laughs> it's really dumb and yeah, it, it, it's very Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon esque, but in that movie it works, especially because it's a Chinese film and that's part of the yeah, the we've, culture. We've gone over that. Gone but over in this that. case it just looks cheap and stupid. It's cheap and stupid and also now we know that she's She's de- she's confirmed for supernatural yeah. at this point. She and, has she has Eyes that change colors, and she can float. Up until this point, she's just a weird chick that might have supernatural powers. Now we're like, okay, she does. She yes. absolutely does. She's one of the X-Mans. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she saves him. Uh, she gets bopped in the nose, I think, or he gets bopped in the nose? He accidentally bops her oh, in yeah, the nose. Oh, yeah, he bops her in the nose. And she gets a nice little nosebleed. And then they come, they go up and they stay there in the hotel that night. No hanky-panky. Um, no hanky-panky. Um, he leaves... To go seek the widow Kessler, and this is where uh, he gives her a peace offering. He's just like, "Hey, I'll let you look at his book or something like that." Yeah, he. Uh, I think what happens is that's when he makes the photocopies. Yeah, and he brings he brings her examples of all the all the artwork in these books. Of the, of the two versions he's had a chance to view. That's how he gets her. Because he's like, there's... Uh, I looked at um, uh, uh, Fargus's book, and like the pictures were off. And she's like, well, that's interesting. He's mm-hmm. like, I can come up, and you can take a look at it. Yep. So she's He basically appeals to her curiosity as a scholar. It's um, like, you're obsessed with the devil, right? Yeah. Well, guess what? I found some discrepancies, and you have an opportunity to authenticate your book right now. We, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. She can't help herself. Oh, at that she point. absolutely cannot help herself. Uh, so he goes up. She lets him look at her book, and I really like this scene. Uh, she's having a Churchill lunch. Uh, she's eating and having some champagne at lunch. Yeah, which is very European. I feel like we're having some champagne with our lunch. Um, yeah, very, yeah. very Churchill. Yeah, her. Uh, he waits for the secretary with the skunk haircut to leave. Because she'll beat some ass. That's a, that is a tough-looking gal. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so he's looking at the books, and he's, he goes to light a cigarette, and she's like, absolutely not. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> no. Yeah. I thought that was generally funny. She's like, I'll permit you to look at that. She's like, I will not permit that. Um, yeah, I, I like that scene. He's it's like, a very... Uh-uh-uh. Does, does he mutter something under his breath? Or he wants to, definitely. I don't um, I don't think he said anything, but yeah, his his face like, did communicate something. What a drag, Ma. Um, <laughs> so he's looking at the book, and this was a cool... This was a, uh, I thought this was kind of a neat shot. It was, yeah. Um, we kind of move, like... We kind of... The Baroness goes out of frame, and then we start moving towards Johnny Depp, and then you're like, oh no, something's about to happen. Again, he's bopped on the head. Yeah, um, we get a 
a first person perspective shot of someone creeping up behind him um is it Gillian Anderson who plays Scully in the yes. X-Files um her character in the first couple seasons of that she suffers a lot of head trauma because she is knocked out and kidnapped a couple of times ooh fan theory the rest of the show was a delusion <laughs> <laughs> might have been because it goes off the rails in season 5 they started to lose me at the end of season 4 I, I'm having trouble getting into season 5 but anyway um, he gets knocked out he wakes up and the place is on like it's smoking like there's a fire happening and this is a really creepy segment too um, you see the widow uh, she's in a wheelchair, by the way. We didn't mention she's in a wheelchair. Electric wheelchair. And, and she's got one hand. Yeah, and she has one hand. Um, she is... Her wheelchair is just bumping into the wall, and we have her back turned. And he's like, Baroness, what's going on? There's a fire in there. Oh, and he's just bumping into the... She's bumping into the wall. He turns her, and she's been clearly strangled. Um, if you've seen The Godfather, you've seen Luca Brazzi strangled. It's basically what his face looks like. Oh, yeah. Her tongue is quite swollen and hanging out her mouth. <laughs> That was one of my favorite scenes from that movie was that that uh, Luca Brazzi uh, taking the knife and then yeah it's 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 done really well but you, you could she's got I got strangled face yeah and it's really creepy and he goes into where the fire is and the, this book is burning burnt now uh, I think what happens is uh, she goes through the door oh and then yes, it opens yes, up yes, into the yes, fire yes, yes. So that was he, really creepy so he acts, he turns her around and then uh, because her chair is set to constantly move forward because like her weight Hand is down. leaning on the the switch the lever um, she like speeds out of the room past him and knocks knocks through a couple of doors and then oh oh no there's a fire all these priceless books are up in flames I should probably do something. Real quick, I just mentioned the Luca Brazzi being strangled in Godfather One. When he he grabs the, I think he grabs the book mm. before he leaves. Yeah, he pulls it from the fire. He pulls it from the fire, and it's pretty much destroyed. Like it. So this is what I'm thinking. The I think all the photos were pulled out. All mm. the illustrations were pulled out because Frank Langella at the end has all the illustrations, and the rest of these books are being burnt. Like yeah. this one is like it's halfway burnt, like across. Like there's no getting it. Yeah. Um, Luca Brazzi being strangled in Godfather. Uh, when Johnny Depp uh, storms out of here, just runs out, he bumps into the secretary who has a bag full of oranges. Oranges. Which, yeah. was, uh, which was a motif in um, The Godfather. Yep. Coppola used an orange every time that something bad was about to happen Absolutely. on screen. So that might have actually been, um, that might have been a nod there because we have the strangle face and the oranges, both from Godfather. I wouldn't doubt it. I'm just saying. I mean, they're almost contemporary. What's the point of having oranges fall out of a bag? There's no reason. He could have just stormed past her. Yeah, I mean, it is telegraphed a little earlier because um, the secretary is shown peeling an orange the first time we see her, but it's a nice callback. Yeah. I like that. Tin foil hat. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. All right, <laughs> I like it. That was fun. I just realized that. Yeah. All right, so now Johnny Depp is flustered. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, and this is where I'm like doing my Dennis Farina and Snatch, like <laughs> flying, back, flying back to New York now. Uh, we got to get the fuck out of here, man. Because she definitely saw him leave. Mm-hmm. And she's like, he strangled her and set the place on fire. Like, he, he might be in some real trouble now. But um, he washes his hands. Uh, like, he just washes his hands and then he takes off to do. You know, where do we go from here? Um, um, so this is where I start to get things kind of mixed up. Like the order, the order of yeah. scenes here. Because I know at one point he hides one of the books in his apartment yes. or his uh, hotel room. Okay. Behind the mini fridge. So yes, he while he's doing this, he goes back to his apartment. It's been ransacked. 
The book has been taken. So he took photocopies to Kessler, but yeah. he left the actual book in his hotel. He left the he left the book in the hotel behind the mini fridge. Um, and it's been taken. Mm-hmm. And um, the girl comes back and he's like, "Where the fuck did you take it?" She's like, "Why would I take it and then come back here? Like, I didn't take it. There's no reason for me to." He's like, okay, that's good enough for me. So, Balkan calls. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well, we're running into some issues. Uh, Teffler, the widow Teffler's in town because he puts it together. He's like, that blonde dude is working for the Teffler yeah, widow. He, he asks his uh, the concierge at the hotel to help him track the Teffler lady down. Yes. Because Cisco is pretty easy to pick out of a crowd. So, he says, if you can't find her, keep, tell somebody to keep an eye out for Cisco. Yeah, Cisco's here. Um so he's on the fo- phone with Frank Langella, and he's just like, uh, she took the book. And he's like, what? Yeah, his reaction's pretty great. He's like, do you realize, he's like, you have to get that back. He's like, do you, do you know how, how far I was willing to go to check on this? Now that you've lost my property, what do you think I'm going to do to you? Mm-hmm. So he knows he means business. He's like, I can get the book back. He takes a cab over to, uh, they find out what hotel she's staying at, and they, uh, the widow Teffler, and they creep up on her, find her. And now she's taking off. Um, now this is where the girl steals a red car. This is another another red uh, little another red thing. Yeah. Um, steals the car. And like, well, this isn't very conspicuous. She's like, it's fast though. So mm-hmm. so they go on this uh, very leisurely pursuit. Where um, they're just kind of tailing the lady Teflor. Uh Stolen from a Middle Eastern uh, gentleman because uh, they're coming up on their car he's like you're going too fast you're going to give us away she's like maybe not yeah um, she took she, he has like saudi headgear basically yeah, and like she a... she puts it on in the driver's seat and to make them look less conspicuous and she pulls ahead of them why did she pull ahead of them that was the dumbest thing uh johnny depp is not a secret agent in this movie he's a book dealer yeah, <laughs> she's driving but he's anxious and he tells her they're they're gonna notice if we hang oh, back yeah. here for too long yeah and she's like whatever johnny well he, <laughs> he, well he just had a very like he probably hasn't been drinking very much that day and he just had a very traumatic experience. oh yeah they've been on the road the whole time so he's probably just like rattled he's, he's going through withdrawals he's, yeah he's rattled from the widow yeah, being, he's or, got or, the cold sweats and everything from the baroness being uh being strangled so he's a little nervous so they're following they go in front and like they just took that exit and then she fucking Pulls the parking brake, goes behind them, and, like, that's not more... Like, you would hear that, like, like, what was that? Yeah. um, Hear some French cursing or something. Yeah. (laughs) And then the semi-driver, who's just being a dick for no reason, is just, like, going back and forth on the exit, gives them the finger when they honk the horn, and then they're at um, two-way. Yeah, they come to a crossroads. Like, which way do we go? She's like, just pick. And he's like, I don't know. She's like, we're going to go this way. Guess what? It's the right way to go. Well, there's a cute little moment in there because she she does pick the correct direction, mm-hmm. but the way they deduce that it is in fact the correct direction is she sees a street sign. No, that's when they. Um, oh yeah, they they do yeah. take the they do take a, a, a long way. road for a while, and then they come to a crossroads, and uh, she asks him, "What's the lady Teflor's, uh widow's name? Yeah. What's her widow's name?" And I forget what it is, but one of the street signs is that name. She said, what's her maiden name? Yeah. And she's like, oh, it's blah, blah, blah. And she's like, bam. The sign is saying that their estate is this way. Yeah. And it's an eyes wide shut estate. Oh, um, yeah. There's candles all over the place and robes. All the way down. Now, uh, somebody had mentioned at this point, like, I think it was the Baroness. She's yes. just like... Um, she gets a big exposition dump that yeah. comes in handy for the climax. She's like, she just wants the book because she likes to have these weird orgies and get fucked. And they're... they're um, 
there was we had a, a philosophy of religion class, and um, our professor brought in uh, a woman who was Wiccan, and she was very critical of what she liked to call fluffy bunny witches, which are <laughs> which are just young young people who are like eighteen, nineteen that just like like oh yeah, I'm a witch. Like you're just like you're a poser basically. She was calling out posers, yeah. and that's what um, she's basically calling her. It's like she does not care about the devil. She just thinks this is all like just some fun thing that she yeah, can do. This is where we learn that there's a secret society at some sort of serpent society that um, we see when uh, the lady Teffler is with Johnny Depp that she has a serpent tattoo. Yeah. Uh, so it's apparently like a high society social club of some sort that happens to involve devil worship. Um, and the lady Kessler was formerly part of this organization. However, she dropped out because they're not terribly interested in the real deal Satanism. Mm-hmm. They're more into, you know, fucking and wearing, wearing fanciful robes. It's interesting. Eyes Wide Shut came out in 99, I believe, and this came out in 2000. Uh, I don't know when Eyes Wide Shut was shot. 98-ish, but it, if it was no, out... It feels, it looks like it's much older. Oh, it might be. Like, it looks like it was shot five years prior or something, but that could just be the style or something. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not as extensive in its exploration of the uh, of the ma- mansion. Yeah. <laughs> um, but bef- it's important to note that uh, before they left, Johnny Depp told Frank Langella, he's like, it, he, sends a, he sends a fax, he's like, it's the Teffler woman, yeah. and he's like, I know who did it. Very important because Very important. <laughs> um, they scale the wall into this mansion. He sees the widow Teffler and he has green eyes. Go get the book, the girl. He's mm-hmm. like, go get the book. And then Cisco just walks in and like, yeah. fuck. <laughs> Cisco walks in with a handgun. He's like, God damn it. She's like, take them downstairs in the dungeon and shoot them. Like, yeah. get it over with. And then uh, Johnny Depp with the, the mother of all arm drags. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they're on a staircase and Johnny Depp flips... Green eyes, the high sign, and he pull up your socks. Yeah, <laughs> he reaches over his shoulder and he grabs Cisco's arm and he just hi- judo hip tosses him down the stairs. Beat, hey, doesn't he beat him with a uh, beat him with a rock or something? Oh, yeah, he he he, he fucks him good. Like, <laughs> so now now they're Johnny. She's, she mentions like, oh, I didn't know you had it in you. Yeah. He's like, oh, neither did I. Neither did I. <laughs> Apparently, my stunt double's very talented. Though. Well, that, dude, <laughs> that dude's been pissing him off for a few yeah, days no, now. He, he and, had it coming. And, and Cisco did get some good shots in on him. So it's like he's, he's got some vengeance in his blood at the moment. He's royally pissed. Yeah. Um, so Johnny Depp's like, all right, I'm going to put on this hood. I'm going to go into the crowd and try to go get the book, basically. And he's like, you hang back because you're weird. And you <laughs> You're weird. You'll stand out. Stand out. Among <laughs> this group of weirdos. She's like, okay, whatever. Like, I'll be your backup. And uh, so she's talking and she's speaking from the book and yeah, she... fucking dad comes home. Oh, uh, that is that is one of the greatest. It's so se- good. It's so great. He he comes in. What is he saying to her? Um, he's talking shit, but it's like. Oh, uh, he is talking trash and he's he like kicks the doors down he's like you fucking pe-. he's got his jacket off like his sleeves are rolled up he's ready to fuck this is a fantastic him. scene it's basically just like judgmental father walks in on walks in on an unwarranted teenage party at, at his home he's about to beat like he's a foot taller than everybody in this crowd and he's going to beat ass oh like, you can just see he is storming get the fuck out and of not his way. not a single person gets in his way <laughs> He, he's basically telling them, like, you fucking losers. Like, this has nothing to do with orgies and shit. This is uh, this is an important book about summoning the devil, and you guys are he's fucking like, idiots. Yeah, he's like, you bunch of clowns in your fucking robes. You fucking you don't know You don't know nothing about the devil. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, and he, like, pushes her aside and takes the book. She jumps on his back, and 
uh, then he tried to strangle her at this point, and Johnny Depp's like, no, fuck that. That's, you can't do that. So he hits him. Yeah. Like, Jella being a fucking fullback, just is like, get the fuck out yeah, of here. Yeah, he terminators him. Yeah. Um, yeah, he terminators his way through this whole room. Uh, there's, again, every instance of violence in this movie is really awkward. Um, this I I actually what, the yeah. lady Teflor making her exit was very good. I thought it was that good. was excellent because she's doing a very good job of selling it and no, it's good acting. Very good acting and Lang Langella's face when he's doing it, it's like he's getting a little bit of joy out of it, but at the same time, he's just he's not fucking around. Well, like, I mean, the, the way he made his entrance into the room, his patience has just gone out the window think about how quickly he got like i think he was probably in europe but think about how quickly he got there no he he makes clear that he's in europe um because johnny depp is suspicious that he's like i feel like somebody's looking over my shoulder the whole time and he does mention offhand that like i'm in town i'm in town yeah because when he when he when he asked for his book back he's like oh just bring it to the hotel i'll give you the rest of your money and come to the hotel he's like yeah i'll give you your money this is how quickly he moves. Think about this. So he sends a very fa- large man moving very fast. <laughs> he sends a two thousand fax, a year two thousand fax to him at another hotel. They jump in a ca- or they jump in the car and follow them. He shows up fifteen minutes later. Like that's how quickly he's there. Like yeah. he's not fucking around. And I like I kind of like that he shows up with like no goons. Oh no, he goons. just shows up in person. <laughs> he's uh, like fuck it, I'll do it myself. <laughs> and uh, he gets a boo on them after he kills the fuck out of. Uh, oh yeah, uh, he chokes her with her own necklace. He uh, has like a pentagram and like the star is pointing right into her throat. Yeah, and he's just yanking on it. Yeah, and yeah, she dies. He takes the book and uh. Yeah, everybody's freaked out, and I love that there's, like, interspersed in the crowd. It's mostly, like, waspy-looking people. Yeah. Uh, but then there's also, like, nubile young females Very that are completely yes. naked under their robes. Yeah, because when the one's leaving, she <laughs> yeah. takes it off. So, like, when everyone's leaving, there's just, like, random naked, like, people, young yeah. ladies <laughs> running out that you can tell that it's, like... Yeah, um, sounds like Kessler and Frank Langella were both pretty accurate in their uh, analysis of how this club functions in, yeah. this, in the modern age. But yeah, he gets a boo in on them where uh, everybody's just like, holy shit, he just strangled that chick. And then he goes, boo! And everybody yeah. runs out of the room and he's just like, I'm walks just going to dust yeah. myself off and head out to the car. Fuck y'all. He just walked in there so confident and got shit done. I mean, that's why he's that's why he's the status that he's at, man. That's no, why he's... I, I would love to see like that scene re-edited with like a killer music cue or something <laughs> back in back or something like that oh man that would be a pretty good one or like some blade almost like a blade-esque <laughs> 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 so yeah we get to now oh, we get another float in there by the way does she float again she floats again this time from the, the second second like the banister he gets in the car. Does he go? He gets in the car. Does she get in? Or she just hands him his stuff. Does he let her in? He doesn't let her in. He doesn't let her in. So now he's. So Johnny Depp takes off, and she's like, "Well, that's the end of that story." And Johnny Depp's like, "No, I have to know. I have to know." And he takes off. He takes off after Frank Langella. He takes off after him. Um, he at one point does the car die because he hitchhikes for a little bit. Like he gets into the town. Um, she does show up because I think he loses him. Oh, yeah, he loses him, and then he ends up parking at... He goes to, like, a restaurant, like Mm -hmm. a a little mom-and-pop kind of restaurant, and very friendly French people uh, help him out um, because he has an image, a postcard, Mm -hmm. that he found in Kessler's book Yes, that has a mocking message from Balkan in it. 
Yes, it's also, I, I noted this at the beginning, uh, there is a portrait behind uh, Balkan when he first, when we are first introduced to him in the 13 Ghosts uh, cage. Um, that that building at the very end is in his uh, yeah. in his library. So what this uh, postcard is, is it's a photo of a castle yeah. of some sort. And on the back of the postcard, there's like a, a mocking message addressed to Kessler saying, like, I found it first or something. Mm-hmm. So apparently this location is of some import. It's significant, yes. Uh, so Johnny Depp, I think either still has, I think he still actually has this this card. Yeah. And uh, he shows, like, one of the wait staff at the restaurant, the photo, and they super friendly French people, they, like, pull up like a, a road guide and like say oh this is where that is well then he when he finds the town he talks to that baker through the hole yeah. and he's like hey where's this at and he's like oh yeah it's over here yeah. i think that that restaurant i saw the people that work there and i'm like i think this is legit like it was an actual like cafe and i think that's the people that actually work there um, oh i'm sure um which if that's the case I'm like, that's really interesting i kind of want to look up the uh, like the uh uh, desk clerk one, desk clerk two, manager. See if they're like even actors. Or if they're like, no, 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 they just work there. Yeah, I'm sure there were just people that were there because um, they're not turning in performances. There's a there's a guy that shows up. I think he's in casino. He's in Fear Loathing in Las Vegas. He's in um, uh, Vegas Vacation. Any kind of Vegas movie. I think he's actually a blackjack dealer. Oh. And I noticed him in several movies. I don't think well, he's I actually mean, an actor. That's kind of a skill to handle cards in that fashion. I mean, he's just like you only see him doing it in Vegas Vacation, uh, mm-hmm. where he's playing. He's like just wiping the floor with him, basically. It's not. I, I know the guy you're talking about, uh, actually. Um, yeah, just get like a pudgy, like just kind of. Yeah, he has a good face for it. Yeah, it's like I hate you. Yeah, you so hate much. him so <laughs> much. Like, you did that on purpose. <laughs> had nothing to do with chance. <laughs> that's when he goes to the. That's what's the. It's the off. I get the off-brand casino where he's like, guess a number, mm-hmm. and he's just staring at the guy. He's like, six, eight. <laughs> but I lost. <laughs> I love that. That was great. I love that. Um, so yeah, so now we he's going to this place, and he comes up on the castle. I think he has a he has a revolver in his jacket from uh, when they took it from the dude. Yeah. Uh, homegirl took it from the dude and put it in the jacket. Yeah, they so. took it from Cisco. So he goes down there, and he's got the gun pointed at Langella, and Langella's like, go for it. A uh, really good lead into that sequence is uh, Langella is alone. Yes. Again, this this is a man who doesn't have henchmen. Uh, or friends. Or friends. <laughs> uh, so he has all the pages of a... Of, I, I can't remember this exact name for this book. I think it's like the Maledictatum or something. Something like that. It's some, Malice something or other. But anyway, uh, he has all the pages, um, all the ones initialed by LCF. Yes. And there are... Ten pages. Ten illustrations. Nine. nine. I think it's ten. Oh, I thought the nine referred to the nine gates. Uh, I think there, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe there is a tenth page. But go ahead, I'm sorry. Um, anyway, he has all the pages, all the artwork laid out in front of him. And he's performing some sort of ritual that's supposed to give you an audience with the devil. Um, Johnny Depp is discovered coming down the stairs of, of like the main like turret of this castle or whatever. And... Uh, when he when he does pull out the pistol, um, I'm not sure how much of it was choreographed or just Johnny Depp being clumsy, but he like has to wrestle it out of his coat pocket, mm-hmm. and it's so sloppy that it it really works because he's a book yeah. guy. He's not a he's not an action hero. No. And I think Frank Langella even comments on it where he's like, "I thought you would have been smoother." He's like, oh, "I thought you would have been smoother." Yeah. <laughs> um, the book is called "The Nine Gates of the Kingdom of Shadows." 
That's the name of the book. Sounds like, you know, a good children's book that I would read to my kids before bed. No. <laughs> so, basically, Frank Langella, they get into a scuffle, mm-hmm. and he's just like... Um, overpowering him easily because he's a giant. Like He's a big dude. Like, I just pulled this up. I was trying to look at, see if it was nine pages or ten. Just look at Ling- Langella compared to Johnny Depp in this photo. Like, oh, he yeah. just he, towers Johnny De- over The top him. of Johnny Depp's head is at his nose. At his nose. And then you can see how much wider he is than him. He's, like, he's, he's, just, a, thick, he's a thick boy. <laughs> he's a thick bitch. He has uh, not missed any meals. Um, I love his... I'm looking at the pictures now. Like I love his glasses in this movie. They both have snazzy glasses. I appreciate um, it. Johnny Depp loses his pair. Uh, he yes, gets he a does. new pair that's less fun in the second half of the movie because they get broken by Cisco, I think. Um, but yeah, so now... We get uh, a little bit of a Jumanji uh, problem where uh, he is stuck halfway through the the, the floor. Yeah, um, we get this scene where uh, they're having a scuffle and Frank Langella like like Mortal Kombat's him into the or Battle Toads him into the floorboards. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I think you're right. There are nine pages, yeah. but um, so he's summoning the devil now. Uh, he's just like, you're gonna watch as I summon the devil. Yeah, and we get this neat shot from perspective. It's a yeah. very low angle because it's supposed to be from Johnny Depp's like perspective. Yeah, perspective smashed into the ground. As if he couldn't seem any more big. Uh, yeah. Uh, so he does gasoline around him. Yeah, he and creates a ring of gasoline. And he's having his like, oh, I just feel, oh, I feel tingly, and I'm like, oh, I feel so much power, and. He's trying to demonstrate to Johnny Depp. He's like, look, nothing can hurt me. He puts his hand in the fire. He's like, I feel nothing. Mm-hmm. And like, fuck, anybody can do that. <laughs> and, if you're uh, quick about it, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, I'm, I'm not even convinced by it. And Johnny Depp is like, oh, really? He's like, that's not that impressive. And he's like, oh, okay. And Frank Langella's character takes the gasoline, pours it over himself, and catches on fire. He's like, see, I'm fine. Oh fuck! <laughs> and, yeah, he's fine for like a good ten seconds. Yeah, and uh, then he realizes, oh shit! Like I'm not fine. Like, I'm this, on fire. He is on fire. Yeah, he is completely and totally immolated. And Johnny Depp falls down out of it, and I think he's still kind of burning. And Johnny Depp puts him out of his misery as he's screaming and shoots him. Yeah, and uh, kills him, which was very nice of him. Yeah. Um. So it's been a weird day for uh, him. He's he's killed somebody he's watched the guy he killed kill somebody um there's almost an orgy uh lot, lots been going on he's like dang i kind of wanted to stick around for that grand <laughs> theft auto theft uh they stole the book murder Assault, murder yeah, all kinds of stuff in one day um and now he he leaves the castle as it's burning i think he grabs the pages yeah, he grabs the pages off the table and all we have left pretty much is like i think one copy of the book and then the pages so Johnny Depp uh, leaves, and he goes somewhere. He, I know he goes back to that rare bookstore, but he... Mm-hmm. Something happens before that. No, 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 no. That's not until late. Oh, is that what happened? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. <laughs> the um, one scene I remember from this movie the first time I saw it. Yeah. Uh, it's a very memorable scene. Mm-hmm. Um, he hooks up with the girl in green, and... I say I called her a succubus because this is what a succubus demon yeah, does. Yeah, so there's a castle burning right behind them. Uh, they give each other, like, the high sign or just give each other a look. She, no, he goes to light a cigarette. He goes to put a cigarette in his mouth. And then it looks like he's lighting it, but it's actually her hand. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and uh, 
She's just like, we're going to do this now. Yeah, and so during Frank Langella's uh, sequence where he's setting himself on fire, when he's putting, the, when he's doing that whole ritual, the, the choir is just going <laughs> fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going, going nuts. Yeah, um, it's going nuts. It's effective, yeah. but holy shit, it is over the top and it, then some. Yeah. Um, Frank Langella's performance in that sequence is unbelievable. Yeah. He's great. He's oh, great in this movie. No, he's great. Um. But yeah, the castle's on fire, and then we transition, I think, from, yeah, her lighting his cigarette, and, the, and then they're just barebacking it on, yep. on the grass in front of the burning castle. He has sex two times, both times with his clothes on. That's weird. Yeah, and it seems like the ladies are doing all the work. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. he's kind of lazy about he it. Again, care. all the booze and cigarettes, it's got to like, do something to you. Johnny Depp in the 2000s, I don't try at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to try. It just comes to me. I try to try, but it doesn't work. It's better if I don't. <laughs> it's better if I just don't. It works out better. Well, yeah, think. she's riding him, and uh, he he's his expression's kind of funny, because you can tell he's a little worried. <laughs> oh, he's worried, but he's like, fuck yeah. He's, he's dude, like, this is, this is awesome. enjoyable, but this is also fucking terrifying so they have a nice one nice stand out yeah, in the field. Her, her face is transforming into many different ladies faces the whole time they're doing it uh her eyes are glowing again yeah um, her eyes are glowing and her face is turning into other people's faces this is some sleepwalker she, sleepwalker shit if you've ever seen sleepwalkers she fine um and yeah i think that i have a i think i might have a thing for french ladies uh she's quite french she's very french but like i'm a i'm i have a huge crush on uh uh uh, Marion Cotillard. Oh. Uh, very much. Understandably so. Very, very French. Um, this lady's name is uh, Emmanuel uh, Sainer. Sainer. Um, That's quite French. Yeah, very, very French. Uh, yeah, she's a fox. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Even when her face is transforming into other people. Yes, but then they have... Okay, so... She doesn't have a walk of shame because they're like 100 miles away from their yeah, hotel. Yeah, I think they go to a gas station together. And she... She leaves a little. She leaves as he goes in to get. Uh, I don't Snickers bars, Snickers or whatever they call it, wherever they're at. Um, and Royale she, with cheese. Royale with cheese. <laughs> um, she goes. She leaves, and there's a little note underneath the um, underneath the windshield wiper, mm-hmm. and I can't remember what it was. What was it under there? But it leads him back to those two dudes. Yeah. Um, the two twins, mm-hmm. and he goes back to this bookstore and it looks like it's being cleaned and it's not the same two guys it's two guys well, it's been cleaned out it's been cleaned out um yeah it's completely empty and they're the two guys there are actually like tearing down the furniture like they're taking this gigantic piece of furniture off the wall huge armoire yeah. it looks like a huge armoire that's attached to the wall and these guys don't speak don't speak any english no. And he's just like, do you guys speak English? They're like, no. And they go back to what they're doing. So he just kind of walk, like, kind of looks around, and this pissed me off when mm. I was watching it, uh, because it's a CGI paper falling off this armoire as it's being taken down. I'm like, you couldn't just have them just. It's like, uh, it's like the feather in Forrest Gump. Yeah. It's like you couldn't have gotten it to fall exactly right, and it would have taken an exorbitant amount of time to, so. to do that to push that that piece of furniture down that many times like so it's better to just do it that way and send everyone home on time (laughs) there are nine illustrations that have been taken that with the lcf on it yes it's supposed to be illustrated by the devil um but this is the 10th one Mm. and this has the girl he just banged on uh writing a a multi-headed serpent or dragon or something in front of the castle that they just banged at or no this was actually 
I th- oh, that's what it was. I'm sorry. It is nine illustrations. One of them was a forgery. Oh. That's what it was. And this is the original. Which is why Frank Langella didn't get his audience with the Debo. Yes. Um, and that that's exactly why. And that's what she says. It's a forgery. She's yeah. like, this. that's what it was. It was the one Devil Girl. She's like, this is a forgery. Yeah. These guys have the, the main one. And that's pretty much the end of the movie. We see Johnny Depp going back to that castle. And, and then a blazing light comes out of the entrance of it, and it's implied, I guess, that he met the devil. Yeah. Uh, worked out for him in the end. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, in a manner of speaking, I guess. Yeah. And that's that's the movie. Um, I rewatched this a couple weeks ago in preparation for this, uh, just to have it fresh in my mind. Yeah, I watched it about a week ago. I, I still really enjoyed it. Uh, it's long. It's like two hour, maybe like two hours and fifteen minutes, maybe. Yeah, it's, that sounds about right. It, it's a little long, but I still really enjoyed it. Um, again, I'm not entirely sure why I enjoy watching it. I think it might just be how it's shot. Um, it's a lot of on location and like little cute little cafes and the smoking really got me. I think the locations and the editing style do it a lot of favors because the locations, as an American who hasn't really traveled much, it's it is nice to look at yeah because it's distinctly foreign very much um they do a good job of like you said like having like incorporating like the local flavor into things like Mm -hmm. making it feel like you're in a different place it feels exotic it feels exotic it feels different it feels alluring um and also the editing style is very old-fashioned um there's not a lot of rapid fire editing not a lot of high energy camera movement it's very breezy it's very relaxed it has that kind of feel where it's almost hypnotic mm-hmm. where it's never in a hurry to get anywhere until the very end and even then like i honestly like when i go back to rewatch i'm like i kind of just don't give a shit now like yeah and even the way the characters uh get from point a to point b there's there's not a lot of car travel there's like either they're on a train or they're walking or they're taking a cab nobody's in a hurry no <laughs> and i i would say like it's this is a mystery so even like I know the ending, but it's still kind of fun going along for the ride. Like him p- piecing this all together, like noticing the discrepancies again. Like you said, five minutes. Like, that, you that's can... my biggest issue with the movie, other than Johnny Depp's performance, is that the mystery is too thin. Mm-hmm. Like I would have loved to have seen some. I would have loved to have seen some modern editing techniques put into those scenes of detective work, of mm-hmm. him poring over the details of each and every page of these books, because these are multi, like 300-page volumes. Mm-hmm. Like Going through all of these pages with a fine-tooth comb would be a laborious process that I, I feel like it's too convenient to have just he latches on to the one detail. It's like, oh, this LCF doesn't match the other thing. I'll actually go back to Fargus. Fargus takes uh, two pages from the books, and he's like, look, you can even see the prints are the exact same. Just the little discrepancy right here is the exact same. That's what I wanted more of. Um, So I think that was to make you believe that these books are the same. And he really does figure it out in like two days. Um, Like it, It doesn't take him very long to actually get it. And if he wasn't drinking, he'd probably get it quicker. But if you do think about like where we get to with the books, I'm like, yeah, this is an appropriate amount of time for him to figure this out because he has to go to different... It's different days in different yeah. places. Um, you could have definitely trimmed this down by maybe, like you said, you could cut out the girl. And, uh, yeah. She's she's very important. I just didn't think she was incorporated very well. It's, it's clear that there's some foggy elements of the script that she was meant to mean more than she actually contributed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, stuff like Fargus, like those little details and like 
in how books are printed and books how books are made like mm-hmm. i would have loved details like that i love procedurals like mm-hmm. there's a japanese director that made a movie called a taxing woman it's about tax auditing oh yeah you told me about made that. it interesting as fuck well, there, heard... i think the same guy did a movie called the funeral it's about funeral services I think there's and, a, and he made it interesting as fuck. I would have really loved to have seen something like that, where it's like obsessing over the details of like bookbinding and like uh, small flaws and discrepancies that appear in print quality and things like that. But I would have really loved to have had like a crosscut montage of Don, Johnny Depp just like tearing his hair out, like not even knowing what he's looking for, like being yeah. pissed the fuck off and being like. I don't know. I don't know what this fucking guy wants from me, but I have to do this. Otherwise, something bad's going to happen to me or I won't get paid. And if <laughs> oh, yeah, would, and my friend died, by the way. It would have been, if you think about it, too, it would have been interesting if, like, the whole time they were forgeries and, like, you incorporate the twins into it. Like, they were a big part of it. Like, no, 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 we know what this is going to do and we wanted to protect that. Mm-hmm. And that's why we kept But they it. saved it instead for a big reveal at the end that felt really flat. Yeah, it's definitely a flat reveal. I'm not going to defend I mean, that at all. Those guys, they, like I said, like you said, um, they were, they were the same actor shot via split screen. Mm-hmm. You don't do that without having a good reason. And like, they, he might have. There might have been more to them. I think so. That, that, that reeks of like cutting room floor or something. Because even the even the way that shot, even the way those scenes are like bookended. Um, as soon as he leaves there, we get some like um, scaffolding that collapses yeah. that happens for no real reason. Well, it's kind of a shocking moment, but we don't even get an explanation as to how it happened or why. I actually really like that scene with the twins because it's it. There's something chilling about the way they talk to him. I don't know what it is. Just the way they're kind of just like, oh, you don't know what that means. Oh, he doesn't know what that means. Okay, I don't know. I I like that exchange. I like them too, but they're sorely missed throughout the entire movie. Um, it would have been nice to have had another, like one more scene with them. Mm-hmm. So all in all, what did you think about it? Was it okay? It was okay. I wouldn't call it a great movie by any means, but I'm not disappointed that I watched it or anything. Like, it's it's it, very watchable. It's very watchable. Yeah. I'll give it that. And I still find it enjoyable. I'll and probably watch it again here. Frank Langella is great. The yes. MVP by far. Well, think about it. he's not really in the movie very much. Mm-hmm. He's on the phone. He's mostly on the phone, and it's funny because I think it was a very it was a good example of casting because he has a very distinct voice. And if you're going to have a, per- a character who's represented mostly by audio only, that's a great person. It's to important have. to have that. Yeah, you know, it's important to have a character that can, an actor that can just do vocal performance alone and still sell the strength of this character. Very much. He did a very good job. Oh yeah, the the pause he has when uh, Johnny Depp is telling him they lost the book. It's like perfect because like right before that he's like, oh okay, well you can bring the book back and I'll give you your check. Yeah. And then he's like. So about that, and then just there's just this a really yeah a very the loudest silence you'll ever hear. <laughs> he lets he lets it sink in. Yeah, like he lets Johnny Depp realize like, oh, you've yeah, really he, fucked up. Like, now let me tell you something, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> so like now you listen, Johnny. <laughs> now I'm gonna dad out here in about 15 minutes. Uh, it's like, do you hear this? This is me <laughs> rolling up my sleeves. And get going out to the Chevy. <laughs> I need to stop for gas on the way, but <laughs> I assure you, there will be a spanking. I have a cottage about 50 miles from here. A cottage. And you're going to be a lamp in it if you don't get me that book back. <laughs> that book 
Bye. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much all I had to say about it. Um, I still I still recommend it if you haven't seen it. And if you haven't seen it in a long time, I say give it a rewatch. I still think it's nice to look at. Yeah, no. Uh, definitely worth a watch, especially if you just want to see the European scenery. Because mm-hmm. you get a pretty nice tour of Spain and France. <laughs> um, another thing that we try to do wrapping up this is... I. I try to, whenever we're discussing something, um, try to find out what I want Trevor to watch next. And we had, we've done an episode, I don't know if we've dropped it yet, uh, on Versus. Yes. 2000, an independent Japanese film about zombies. Um, which made me think of, like, Trevor needs to see The Evil Dead, so I know that that's going to be the next movie where Trevor is going to be catching up on cinema. Absolutely. And we might actually be doing a little bit of a comparison to the remake, um, just because I really like the remake. I haven't seen either, so... It would probably be a good opportunity to just tackle both at the same time. Probably going to watch The Evil Dead tonight. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to just knock that out. Probably both of them. I don't know. Might just do Why both. not? <laughs> Let's go um, nuts. But was there anything in here that made you think of a movie that I needed to catch up on? I, I don't know. I, I That's what I try to pull from. Mm. What did I think of? that? You know what? This is what you liked about it. Have you seen this movie? Maybe you should watch well, it. I, I'm not going to say it's officially going to be an episode just yet, but there's a Japanese movie called The World of Kanako. Okay. That um, I can't call it a favorite of mine. In fact, I remember almost nothing about it mm-hmm. other than it is uh, intensely skillful and artful filmmaking. Um, it's it's unlike almost anything else you ever see. Uh, it's very adventurous, very anarchic in the way it's presented. Um, very grungy, mm. but it it's a another one of those man obsessed stories where it's a okay. father looking for his daughter but not in the conventional sense. Well, that so, sounds interesting. So it's not taken. It's um, There's that movie right now that's in theaters, the John Cho movie, uh, Searching. I don't know that um, it's a It's about John Cho. Um, the entire movie is shot from a, a browser window. Gotcha. And it's John Cho working backwards through his daughter's uh, social media accounts and oh, trying gosh. to find her. It's supposed to be very good. Really? Very good. Well, maybe we'll cover it here in like three or four um, but years. World, World of Conoco <laughs> is kind of... I haven't seen Searching, but it's a kind of a similar concept where it's like it begins as a father's search for his daughter and then it turns into like, what the fuck was my daughter doing? <laughs> That's interesting. Like my general's daughter? Oh, God, the general's no, daughter. No, no, oh it's not gosh. like that, but it's like... Uh, it's so bad. It's especially interesting because it takes place in metropolitan Japan where it's like... Mm. Oh, on location? It's a Japanese movie. <laughs> um, so it's what what typically on the outside appears to be a very clean and inviting environment. All of a sudden, it's like this is dirty as fuck. <laughs> like Gosh, yeah. this is not a place that people should live in. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I'm sold. So well, like maybe we'll watch that. I'm gonna have to rewatch it as well because, like I said, I remember, remember nothing it. about it. I bought it on a whim. You should probably give it a view. And, uh, give it a view before I. The, uh, I think. Yakusho, I think his name. Koji Yakusho, I think his name. Uh, main character from 13 Assassins. Oh, I like that guy. Yeah, he's the lead. Nice. All right. So, yeah, maybe we'll do that one. But cool. I, I'll have to rewatch it before, though, because it might be just trash and I'm just misremembering it. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you all for helping us to catch up on cinema. <laughs> <laughs>